Let us be attentive. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of our fathers, for you are just in all that you have done. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to Titus. Let us be attentive. Titus, my son, the saying is sure. I desire you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to apply themselves to good deeds. These are excellent and profitable to men. But avoid stupid controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and futile. As for a man who is factious, after admonishing once or twice, knowing that such a person is perverted and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way and see that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to apply themselves to good deeds so as to help cause cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith and grace be with you all. Amen. Peace be to you. hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Let us be attentive. said this parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell among the path and was trodden down underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And when his disciples asked him, what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now this parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, and they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. 
They believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for those that it, as for the, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bring forth fruit with patience. And as he said these things, he cried out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Peace be to you who proclaim the gospel. Glory to you, Lord. Please be seated at this. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in it and be glad. I rejoice being with you today. Um, you don't know me. Most of you have never seen me, although I have some friends in the choir. We've sung together a few times. I'm Father Nick Granius. I'm visiting from the Chicago area, and it's a privilege to be here. It's always a privilege to preach the gospel. Before I became a priest, people talked about what an honor it is to preach the gospel. And until you become a priest, you don't even really understand how, what an honor it really is. And we have these wonderful gospels. And if we come every Sunday, we hear all of these gospels every year, just about the same time. And there are some of them that we really love more than others. Some of them are really powerful. I think we like the ones that we can visualize you can visualize the prodigal son going off and you can, you can be in the shoes of his father when he sees his prodigal son coming back and you're there in the conversation with a good son. We, lo we love the ones we can feel like we're there. This is one we can visualize, isn't it? We, we, we can see the, the seeds being spread um, and we can understand that some of the seeds are going to fall on rocks and some of the seeds are going to fall on infertile land and some of the seeds are going to fall on thorns, and some of the seeds are going to fall on fertile land and increase a hundredfold, and that's what we want. That's what we want, and we get it. And even in this particular gospel, Jesus explains to the apostles, people need parables, and this is what the parable means. And then he finishes it and he says, those who have ears, let them hear. Well, <laughs> that's not a whole lot of instruction. Um, I think we need, a, we, we, we say, okay, I want to be the person that spreads the, my seeds into the fertile, fertile ground. Um, please go on. But it doesn't go on, it's done. So we have to get the please go on from other sources. And of course, we have plenty of those sources. Um, St. Paul wrote a lot of them. I'm going to quote St. Paul in a few minutes uh, in a way that I think is useful because I mean, I, I think these Gospels are meant to be useful for us. Uh, for, if, if nothing else, we are fed on a Sunday with a Gospel and a message, and we get something we can hold on to from that message until next Sunday. At least that. And of course, we build on it all the time, don't we? We really hope to build on it. So, 
I have a few thoughts that I hope might be useful in how we can be the people that are successful farmers. Because that's what we want to be. We want to be the most successful farmers. We want to cast our seeds out and have them grow a hundredfold. And therefore, because of that, we can spread the Word of God. It's not, if, if we succeed in that, it's not, going to be, it's not going to benefit just us. It's going to benefit people we come in contact with, and we're going to become expansive, and so will the church. So I, I, have, a, I have three things that I thought I might talk about that are ways that, that it might be useful. Um, but first, I'm going to give you a quote, and this is not from the Bible. We are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is not an act, but a habit. We've heard that before. It's a very famous quote. Who said it? Who wrote it? Don't be shy. Aristotle. Everybody says that's Aristotle. We are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. And Aristotle, you know, he's not one of the fathers of the church, but a lot of the fathers of the church wrote things and, and developed their thought based on Aristotle. Perhaps more in the West. We're more Plato. We're, we're in the East. We're a little bit more mysterious. We, we're more Platonic. Aristotle had rules for everything. Plato said, the only thing I really know is that I don't know anything. And that's kind of our sense of the Eastern mystery. But Aristotle said that. He didn't really say that. Here's what he said. Virtues are formed in man by his doings, the actions. So it's the same thing. The, the historian, Will Durant, is the one who actually said, we are what we repeatedly do. And he said that in a book that he wrote about philosophy when he was distilling what Aristotle said. So we are what we repeatedly do. So we want to have good habits. We want to have good habits. So that's what, that's I think one of the best ways to be fertile farmers, to be fertile farmers. So I have three. Here's one. There's always a little bit of an introduction. I just did a, a play. I like to act as, as a hobby. And that we had a, a wonderful play called The Devil and Daniel Webster. You might know this story. Um, a, a, a farmer in New England named Caleb Stone was having a hard time. And at one point he said, man, if the, I'd sell my soul to the devil if I got help. And the devil heard him and the devil gave him help. And his soul was signed over to the devil. And Daniel Webster, the great American statesman, came and defended him in court and saved his soul. And saved his soul. In this group that did the show, um, it was an evangelical Christian group. It was a tremendous theater group in a huge theater in a huge Bible church. And it was, they are wonderful people, but they were all Protestant Christians of an, of an evangelical type um, who prayed at every rehearsal. And the play was written by the director of the group with a very Christian message. The original story of the devil and Daniel Webster does not have a particularly Christian message, but they unashamedly and unabashedly wrote it to be a very Christian message. And we rehearsed a lot and we prayed a lot. And the, and the members of the cast would lead the prayers. We're not used to those so much because the, the cast would, would, would start praying. It would be almost stream of consciousness. So they pray for the audience and they pray that the message be got by the audience. And if there was anybody in the audience was having trouble, they, we prayed for them. This was an unusual way of praying for we Orthodox who rely on the prayers of our fathers because they are so beautiful and something we can really hang on to. Um, and at the very end, that before, after the la before the last performance when we're praying, I, I, and they knew I'm a priest, and 
you know, they didn't get me exactly. Um, on, the, on, on August 15th, when I told them that it was a great feast, they only kind of heard me. Um, uh, and, and, and our devotion to Mary was kind of strange to them. Um, but I said, you know, at the end of this, all, we have a prayer. And I'd like, and, and, and the, the president of the group had just given a 10-minute prayer. And, and I said the prayer, and it's the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I said, we say that prayer a lot, and we call it the Jesus prayer. And that man, the president of the group who had just given a 10-minute prayer, and I'm not exaggerating, he said, you know, in those 12 words is everything I just said. Is everything I just said. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So, I think the first of the three things I'm going to suggest that we do to be fertile farmers is to inject prayer in our life more often and not worry about its form or that it be too fancy. That's 12 words. And it's easy to remember. It's in three, three, four, and two. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Most of you probably already know it. But the monks say it over and over again. And when I can't fall asleep, I say it. And after I say it three or four times, I'm asleep. It's, it's a tremendously useful manifestation of what we know to be the rule of pray unceasingly. So I suggest to you, pray unceasingly. Pray simple, short prayers, that one over and over. When you, when you say something offensive to another driver, say, oh, Lord, forgive me. Nobody else hears it. But you... And, uh, and when you need help, say, Lord, help me. Those are prayers. Pray unceasingly. Um, the second thing I'd suggest is, uh, this is from Philippians. The greatest, uh, on, on, on the greatest, it's hard, <laughs> there are no greatest passages. Um, but Philippians 4, 8, uh, on Palm Sunday, the church has chosen that to be our epistle. And, and it finishes like this, you know it. Um, finally, brethren. Whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honest, whatsoever is just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. So that's the second tip. Think about good stuff. Surround yourself with good stuff. Eschew the bad stuff. Don't deal with the bad stuff. Get off the phone. Uh, when I say phone, not talking to people. Get off the phone that has TikTok or whatever it is that you watch. I mean. Surround yourself with good stuff. Surround yourself with Aristotle or Will Durant, the, the historian who wrote, I'll, I'll bet you at least 20 people in this congregation have the, 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 the story of civilization, the 12 books that Will, Will Durant wrote that you used to get for the Book of the Month Club. If you, if you join the Book of the Month Club, you get those 12 books, then you have to buy four more. But I'm old. I remember these things. Most of you don't. But I'll bet you there's 20 houses at least here that have the 12 volumes of the story of civilization of wilderness. Read those. Surround yourself with the good things. I don't need to say too much about that. We know what's good. We know how we benefit from surrounding ourselves with good things. We feel better. We are better. We are better. And you know what's not good. You know what's not wholesome. Wholesome's a good word. Surround yourself with wholesome things and try to stay away from things that aren't. The third thing, um, I suggest, let me start again. M my wife grew up 
Catholic. She's an Irish girl. And she saw that I was not a priest. I was a lawyer in the army. And uh, she saw that my church was more important to me personally than her church was to her, even though she was a churchgoer. And she very early committed herself to becoming Orthodox. But, you know, that, that happens sometimes out of a sense of obligation. You know, you know your spouse is doing it for you. You want them to be doing it for themselves. Um, and so sometimes, if you're lucky like I was, there's a magic moment when your wife comes up to you and says, you know, the Orthodox Church is about love and forgiveness in a way that I never experienced growing up. What a gift that was to me. Let me say it again. She says to me, Nico, the Orthodox Church is a church of love and forgiveness in a way that I've never experienced growing up. There it was, the greatest gift she could give me. And uh, I can't even remember if she'd been chrismated by then or not, because we waited five years before she, after our marriage before she was chrismated. Forgiveness. There is no power, power in the universe greater. Forgiveness, let's, let's make a troika. We do things in threes in our church a lot, don't we? Love, forgiveness, and reconciliation. There are examples in history of that that we can draw on. So we have the philosophy, we have the church and its own writings, and we also have history to look at. What better example than Lincoln's second inaugural address when at the very end of the Civil War, when more American boys had been killed than in all of our other wars put together, he gathered on the steps of the White House, and the war was going to be over in just one month because it was March 19, 1865. And he said, with, charity, with malice toward none and with charity for all, let us work together and rise together and bind up our nation's wounds. What an example. Um, it's not just ancient history. When, when South Africa went through what it went through. Nelson Mandela was in prison for a long time. He was a terrorist. He had blood on his hands. He changed when he was in jail. He changed when he was, when he was released after decades of unjust imprisonment, but perhaps not unjust because he had blood on his hands. He was a different man. And working with the apartheid prime minister of that country, they, they bound up the nation's wounds. They even established a commission on, on, of reconciliation, a truth and reconciliation commission. And they won the Nobel Peace Prize. It's not a perfect country now, but it's much better than it was before. And that's a great example to us of, of, of forgiveness and reconciliation. We can do it. And so if we were to be fertile farmers, and this is farm country, just like central Illinois is, just a little bit different. You grow different stuff. We grow soybeans in central Illinois. Um, if you want to be fertile farmers, resolve today to be Abraham Lincoln, to be Nelson Mandela, to be F.W. de Klerk, and go out today and effectuate a reconciliation. You might do it in the coffee hour. You have a coffee hour here, I assume. There might be people in there with whom you've been, become estranged people who are your friends, but maybe not. You, you might need to make a phone call. You might need to really reach out. But, but reach out to someone and, and effectuate a reconciliation. It is the greatest thing you can do for yourself and for them as well. And if you think it's hard, I'm going to make it harder. Choose a person whom you know was wrong. 
Choose a person where you know you were in the right and they were badly in the wrong. First of all, you might be wrong about that. But choose somebody where you're convinced they were wrong, you are right, and call them up and say, I'm sorry that the years, I'm sorry that harsh words, I'm sorry that this has come between us. I loved you before, I love you still. Effectuate a reconciliation. Um, it might be hard to find someone like that, or you may need a first step to do that. Okay, go to your neighborhood and knock on the door of the person across the street who you don't even know or whom you haven't seen for a long time. Make friends of the people that you don't have any words with. You see them, but you haven't established a Christ-like relationship with them. Do it. That's what we want to do. We want to be Christ-like. Theosis is our goal. Let's do it. Um, so, pray unceasingly. The Jesus prayer is a good place to start. Think about the good stuff. Surround yourself with the good stuff. Sweep away the bad stuff. And forgive. Love, forgive, and have a reconciliation. And do that regularly. Do it every Sunday. And after a while, after you've had all your reconciliations, it's going to be fun. You're going to call your aunt in Greece or in Lebanon or wherever and say, I miss you. I just, you know, make it a Sunday habit. I think those three things are pretty clear. I'm going to say one more thing, and I'm going to, I'm going to point out somebody that I know who does that regularly. And I'm going to ask you to pray for him. Because I'm in, I'm in Minneapolis today. This is Minneapolis, right? Not St. Paul? I'm in Minneapolis today um, because I'm a cousin of Chris Granius. Many of you know Chris Granius. He's, a, he's my cousin. He's a composer and a musician. Um, he's a tremendously ecumenical guy. He goes to every church. He believes in the message of every church. He's been, he, he's, but he's here often. He's belonged to many churches. His wife belongs to an Episcopal church. He is the most church-going religious believing man I know. He also does all of the things that I just suggested you should do. He calls me and says, cuz, please call my friend. It would be a good thing for him to hear from you. He completely, completely <clears throat> puts aside his own ego for others. The concert, we're doing a concert. I'm sorry, I didn't complete the thing. Chris has MS. Chris has pretty serious multiple sclerosis. For seven years, he's been doing a benefit concert in October. The last three were online because of COVID, and I sent, I sent uh, videos, and he put them into the concert. And today is going to be live. But Chris has had a very, very hard year. And Chris went to the ICU Friday night with pneumonia. He was put in a room yesterday and this morning he went back in the ICU because he has a high fever. Um, he's the toughest of characters. He's half my size, but he's stronger than me. He's better than me in every way. Um, that's why I came for Chris. Pray for Chris. Pray for his recovery. Um, the longer he does the things that he does in life, the better it is for the world. This is a benefit concert for, for other people who have MS. He has never complained about his faith. He is a giver. 
So I guess maybe that's the fourth thing. If we want to be good farmers, let's also be givers. God bless us, everyone. <laughs>